Thanks, uh, Sam. Uh, for, before we start our sermon, I, I would actually like to pray. Um, there's a lot of events happening around the world at the moment and a lot of them are, are not very good. And uh, we, we live in a very peaceful land and, and we should be reminded this week that we all went to vote yesterday and, and none of you were attacked. None of you were shot for voting one way or the other. And that's an incredible privilege. And we got to elect a leader of our choice. Now, it may not be the person that you voted for, but you were able to go and vote. So far in Syria, the, the amount of people that have died is, is, is almost unknown, but it's, it's, it's horrific. And both sides seem to have taken the opportunity to kill neighbourhoods of Christians for no other reason than because they could. The things that are happening in Egypt at the moment and once again churches and Christians being targeted just because people can under the cover of what's happening. And, uh, and we have a lot of displaced people who are escaping horrific situations and many are living in, in, uh, in, a, uh, in dispossessed positions, in camps and, um, and, uh, and I think it would be great just to take some time to pray for them now. So let's, uh, let's do that. <coughs> Father, I want to thank you so far for the land that we live in, a wonderful land. And in so many ways, a land flowing with milk and honey. So many people were saying on social media during the week that they were not going to vote or they were going to do a, uh, an invalid vote of one form or another because they didn't like the contestants. And yet, Father, I believe it is so important that we take our voting very seriously because what a privilege it is for us. And I just want to pray for the incoming government. Father, that they listen to your spirit, that you will guide them, you will lead them. And if they need to make adjustments to their policies because of the enlightening of your Holy Spirit, then I pray that they would take notice and they would do that. I pray that they would rule us with compassion and grace given by you. I, would pray, I pray that they would treat the elderly, the infirmed, the homeless, the dispossessed in a way that shows compassion and wisdom. I pray that our government as a whole would seek to work in unity in a way that maybe hasn't been displayed over the last six years. I lift them up to you. Father, for the people in Syria, Egypt and other countries, I lift them up to you today. Many people living in fear. Many people seeking to run away and take their families into a safer situation. 
and looking for a new homeland or waiting in a tent city, waiting for peace to come. I pray also for those who are seeking to uh, uh, have input into this war from, the, from, from, from outside, from other countries. I pray that you would give them much wisdom. And as the scripture says, I pray for Israel, for peace in the land and for people to come to acknowledge their Messiah, Jesus, as their own personal saviour. I pray for us here that we would have a, a heart of compassion for all those around the world who are living in difficulty, who don't have enough to eat, they don't have a safe home life, they have families that they want to uh, bring up in a, in a, safe and, uh, a safe environment and that we would have your leading and your wisdom in these areas. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been quite a journey over the last uh, 13 weeks, I think it is, as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount. And as I talk to different people, there's been so many lessons that have been in that and different things have, have struck different people. And it's great to hear from Judy and, uh, and Kay this morning and Sam and some of the things that have struck them. I, I wonder what it's been for you. I wonder what you've heard over the last 13 weeks, whether it's been from the platform here or over the podcast. What have you heard from the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine what it must have been like for the people there on that hillside that day? Because what they had been hearing from the Pharisees was a very different thing to what was being said by Jesus that day. And as he started, their eyes must have been wide open as they heard these things and, and gasped on him and, and, and looked, who is this person that speaks this way? And it's such a radical message. Blessed is who? Surely it's the overbearing and the powerful, the one with so many riches. That's the blessed person. It's certainly the message today, isn't it? But what did Jesus say? He said something which was really the opposite. He started off his ministry and he went through Galilee proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those who were suffering pain, uh, the demon possessed, those who had seizures and paralysed, the blind, the deaf, the lame. They were all brought to him and there he healed them. If we go to Luke, it tells us also at this time that he went into the synagogue and he, and he read from the scroll from Isaiah and he read a section that proclaimed that the Messiah was to come and what were his words? This day 
This prophecy has been fulfilled this day. This prophecy has been fulfilled right in front of you. Wow, what a claim. What a claim. He stood in front of these these people and he quite clearly said to them, I am the one that you have been waiting for. And the crowd started to come around and he went out onto the hillside and he sat down as the teachers did at the time and he started to speak to them. He said, Blessed are those who don't seek to rely on their own strength and riches, their own wisdom. Blessed are those who look to be the opposite of the religious leaders today. You know, if we had to put a sign over all of the Sermon on the Mount, we could say something like, this is true religion. Over the whole lot. This is the life of a true Christian. This is the life of a person who seeks the kingdom of God. How did you fit when you read all of what Jesus said? If that is correct, if that is the life of a true Christian, a person seeking the kingdom of God, how did you go as you ticked off all of those things? The Beatitudes. How did you go with those? He redefined what it means to be blessed in his kingdom. He talked about salt and light. A light in a dark world. Salt in a tasteless world. How did you go with that as you applied that to your own life? He showed that he had not come to abolish the law but but actually to fulfil it. That the law still meant something. It was still the foundation to our relationship with God. But he came to fulfil the law. He dealt with the mind and the heart, not just the actions of our hands and our feet. Murder and adultery start in the heart and the mind. He dealt with the bad teaching that was there at the time on adultery, divorce, oaths, revenge and love. He dealt with true religion, prayer and investing in your future. Heaven, not earth. Where's your investment property? He told us not to worry, not to judge, but to ask of our Heavenly Father for all of our needs. Then he told us the wide and narrow gates. It's much easier to follow the ways of the world than it is to follow him. True? We will not Sorry, we will be known for our fruit. And even some who work in the church will not necessarily be allowed into heaven. 
a shock statement, isn't it? And we need to build on a solid rock. That is Jesus. And then we come to the end of this passage and and we get to these verses that Sam has read to us. And the crowds had finished, sorry, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. Wouldn't you be? With Jesus standing and teaching these things that were just so radically different. It cut across so much of what they were being taught. It cut across what they were observing in their religious leaders at the time. And it got to the heart of the matter. He restated the law. He restated the Ten Commandments in a a way that meant something. He restated it in everyday language that applies to the way that we live in amongst our neighbour, amongst our workplace, in amongst our families. But more importantly than all of that, the way that we live before God. Because the reality is, as I live my life, Josh, I can fool you. I can fool you, lie. I can live a lie. I can live what looks to be right on the outside but be absolutely rotten on the inside. We can all do that. But Jesus cut open the flesh with these passages and he displayed the heart of man because he said, when you do these things, when you stand up and pray and praise in front of man, well, it's only man that hears. It's not God. And when you give to the poor and you do it with your entourage around and make sure it's in the papers and announced on the radio, what good is that? The way we live, it's not about pleasing people. God wants us to pray. God wants us to give to the poor. God wants us to love our neighbour. But it starts first with loving God. And as his spirit works out through us, then true religion is lived out on this earth. True religion is displayed. And we don't just give enough to make us look good. We give everything. Because we've given our hearts to God. So what was this authority that Jesus spoke with? He taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus spoke as he had done 
when we read Genesis 1. How did Jesus speak then in Genesis chapter 1? Boy, did he speak with authority then. As he created the universe, as he brought all the planets and stars and stuff out there into being. He had the words of creation because the scriptures tell us that he created out of nothing. That's the authority that Jesus had when he spoke on the mountainside that day. He spoke the universe into existence and he spoke the words of the Spirit into the people's hearts. John 1 1 to 3 says this, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing, nothing was made. That's authority. Hebrews 1 verse 2 says, But in the last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. For in him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He has a position whereby even the angels worship him. Hebrews 1.6 And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Revelation 5.11.12 says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in all a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. That's to come when Jesus, this one who spoke with authority, but took that authority and placed it to the side and allowed himself to be taken and hung on a cross in incredible humility. There he displayed those beatitudes in a most amazing way. Those beatitudes that we find hard to live. He lived that way in humility as he allowed himself, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all that there is. And he allowed himself to be taken by men like you and me. To be laid on a but then in authority dealt with our sin dealt with our sin fulfilled the law the righteous requirement He became the sacrifice that means that you and I can go to heaven. You and I can have a relationship with God. It doesn't happen through our good works. It happens only 
Because Jesus had the authority. Jesus had the righteousness. Jesus had the purity. Jesus had the ability to go to the cross for you and me. The only reason why we can have a relationship with God. You can't work that out with pencil and paper or a computer. Jesus had authority. And as he walked through the land at this time, the demons recognised him. Oh, they knew exactly who he was. Mark 1, 23, 24 says, Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Because they knew who he was, they had to obey him. In the next two verses, Jesus said, be quiet. Said Jesus sternly, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. So what was the extent of Jesus' authority? Matthew 28, 18 tells us that Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. As the demons said, he was the Holy One. All authority was his. So if this is true, if this is true, what do you think the reaction of the people would have been that day listening to that message and believing that he had authority? If you were in the crowd that day, how would you respond to what this person had just said? Would you just think, well, that was nice. That was a better sermon than the bloke at the church. When you heard that Jesus requires not so much your actions but your heart. What would you do with that? When Jesus stood there and said, it's not a case of whether you murder the person but whether you hate them. as he stood there and said or sat there and said to them, it's not so much of whether you go and sleep with that woman, it's about what's in here and what you've already thought. And when he cut right across what all the Pharisees had been teaching them, what would you do with that? What would you do with it? Well, you know, the question's no different from us today. You see, he's recorded these things in the scriptures for a very good reason. It says all scripture 
has been given to us by God. And is there for our teaching and our rebuking. It is there to show us how we are to live in relationship with God and in relationship with our fellow man. So these things here that we have read over the last 13 weeks and expounded is actually about you and me and our relationship with God as much as it was about Jesus speaking to these people on the hillside that day. So what are we going to do about it? Romans 3.23 is a very important verse for us because in this, it is a very important verse for us because it cuts across what is expected of us of the world today. You know, as Kay said to us, you know, the, the world today has these expectations of us and it's all about what happens on the outside. True. Everyone looks at the outside and we can look really good people and we can do the right thing and we can sit in here on a Sunday and lots of churches right across Melbourne and Australia and the world. But last week Lee said to us, as he looked at this passage, and it said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of God's perfect standard. That's every one of us. There's not one person that's not born a sinner. There's not one of us that without Christ is any good. And our good works are as filthy rags before God. Amazing, isn't it? Romans 6.23 says the wages of this sin is death. Not heaven and life, but death and hell. But the free gift of God is eternal life for those who are good and try really hard. Is that what he says? No? No? But the free gift of God is eternal life not for anything that we have done but through all that Christ has achieved for us. John 3.16 For God loved the world so much and how much must he have loved us? His creation who had turned his, their backs on him He loved them so much that he sent his only son through whom he created all there is and whom the angels worshipped and served obediently. He sent him to die so that you and I could have eternal life. Romans 10 and 9 
says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sin and mine and had raised him from the dead to defeat Satan and to bring eternal life to us, then you will be saved. Not because you come to church each week, not because you might listen to the podcast during the week, not because you put money in the bag, not because you might give to the poor and have really good thoughts about people. None of those things bring us into relationship with God and give us a future in heaven. Not one of them. They're the things we do because we love God. They're not the things we do to gain relationship with him. As I read those verses, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. We come and attend church who may be involved in some of the ministries, may be involved in playgroup, may be involved in kids club, may be involved in youth group, may even run a, a, a small group in your home, may do all of these things, may be at every working bee. They may scrap a difference to our relationship with God. Nothing at all. You may be the biggest giver of money in our bag on Sunday. But it doesn't change our relationship with him. You see, it was God that set out our path for salvation, not us. How would you do it? What would be your way of making a path for salvation? Would you have a sheet with all the boxes you've got to tick? Would you say, I've got to be good to my neighbour? Would you say, I've got to put money in the church on Sunday? Would you say, I've got to keep to the speed limit? Would you say, what, what are all the things that you would say? But then the problem is, could you keep them all? Could you keep them all if you made the list? Or would you rather it be God's way? Would you rather it be that Jesus, the Son of God, came and paid the price on the cross of Calvary and all you had to do was accept him as Lord and Saviour? All you had to do was accept the fact that he died for your sin. All you had to do was come to him and say, God, I know I'm a sinner because I was born that way. God, I know I need you and I need your spirit to be living within me because I think wrong thoughts and I do the wrong thing. Wouldn't you rather it that he took responsibility for your salvation away from you? 
And you just had to come and say thank you. Wouldn't you rather it that way? Well, you know what? That's the way it is. That's the way it is. But it does mean that we have to come in humility and accept Jesus as our Saviour. You may very well have worked in this church for years. You may very well have a small group that you attend. You may very well be involved in play group or kids club or youth group and do a really good job. You may very well be the biggest giver to our church. But I want to ask you now the important question. Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Have you ever stood in humility before him and said, I know I'm a sinner. I accept that there is no good within me. But I know that Jesus died for my sin. I know that he, he holds the power of life in his hands and he wants to give it to me. Have you ever stood before Jesus and confessed your sin and accept him into your life as Saviour? Have you? Or have you always just gone to church? Have you gone to church because mum and dad took you? Mum and dad took you to church and so you've always just been. And you've always just done the right thing when it comes to church. Because that's the way it would have been for these people on that hillside that day. For so many of the Jews doing the right thing. They would have gone and been a part of all of the festivals in the Jewish calendar. They'd have gone along to the synagogues at all the right time and said the right thing. Just like us. But today, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I think it's verse 2, there used to be a big sign on the church in Ipswich where I used to go and I could see it every time when I went in there. I can still picture it. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. I wonder what you're going to do tomorrow. Have you got plans? You got something booked in tomorrow, Ken? Got a job booked in? You're going to be there? Be there on time? Hmm? <laughs> Ken's always on time. In fact, he's probably early. <laughs> How do you know, Ken? How do you know you're going to be there on time? How do you know what's going to be on tomorrow? You've got no idea, have you? (laughs) 
Isn't it true? What about you, Steve? Got all tomorrow planned? No, no, that'd be right. No. <laughs> what a contrast. But the reality is, reality is you and I have absolutely no idea if we're going to get home for lunch. And yet we put off time and time and time again our date with God. We put off time and time and time again coming to him and kneeling before him and accepting him as Lord and Saviour. Oh, but I just want to think about it a bit more. Well, maybe that was a long time ago that you stopped thinking about it. Maybe a long time ago you just got into the motions. Just got into the motions of coming and going. And the Spirit stopped speaking. The Spirit stopped calling. Maybe you just want to work it out a bit more. Maybe you just want a bit more proof. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I tell you why. He's given us all the proof he's going to. I want you to go out at night time and look in the stars. There's no greater proof than that. You should see my little granddaughter. There's no better proof than that. Awesome. Awesome. And Josh said this morning, when four years ago, little Mackenzie was born, and he looked at her. Awesome. Because that's a creation of God. Nothing we can do with that. Folks, you need to consider this. And it's really important. Jesus is the only way and he chooses the way. He chooses the way. If we confess our sins and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, if we believe that he is the only way, we've got to come to him. Folks, I I want you to bow your heads. It's a really important time. And I want you to ask yourself the question, have I just been going through the motions? Have I been serious with God? Have I been coming to church maybe for a short time, maybe a long time? but I've never actually asked Jesus Christ to forgive my sin and to come into my life and be my saviour. I've never actually done that. I can't think of a time when I've actually committed myself to him. But I know that today that I need him as my Lord and saviour. I've seen that I can't live like he wants me to. I just can't do it. And I know that if I stand before him today, he's going to have to say to me, go away. I never knew you. But I worked in kids club. 
Don't you remember? I, I attended Monty. I was in the youth group there. I did boys rally. I, I, I've done all this stuff. Go away. I never knew you. But, but I was searching. I just didn't get around to it. Go away. I never knew you. Folks, today I'm going to ask you right now, don't put it off any longer. Don't rely on good works because it just doesn't work. I'm going to ask you to make a stand for Christ today. As people here pray, I'm going to ask you to come and stand at the front here with me. And I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to give you the opportunity of accepting Jesus today because you have no idea whether tomorrow will come. Will you come right now and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour? Maybe you have done that at time and but you haven't been walking with God. In fact, you've been a long way from him. You still go through the motions of coming to church. But your relationship with God is just not there. It dried up a long time ago. Would you come and just dedicate your life once again to Jesus? to lift your heart up to him and say I've been doing my own thing God my life looked nothing like the Sermon on the Mount but I need to renew my relationship with you would you come today and give your life to him you might be embarrassed about coming and standing here before people But what's going to be more embarrassing? Walking up the front here today or to be told to go away. I never knew you. Will you come? Father, today I, uh, I just want to commit us to you in our walk with you, in our relationship with you, in our allowing the Holy Spirit to live out in us and through us, to change us, to make us one of your children and to display the characteristics of our family, the characteristics of our Father, to have those characteristics displayed in our life. Father, I pray that you would change hearts today to guide, to lead, to grow us in yourself. In Jesus' name, Amen.